Welcome to the Beyond Sundays podcast. I am the host, Brett Stewart, and I am excited about our conversation today. We have started a new series on open-handed living, just the joy of generosity. We're calling it the absurdity of generosity. And you can follow along with that sermon series by subscribing to us on YouTube. Just go to Beltway Park Church, hit that subscribe button, and look for the playlist, Absurdity of Generosity. But I'm excited for the guests that we have, the wisdom that they brought to this conversation. I'm telling you, you're going to have to listen to this multiple times. There is just so much depth to chew on and to, to unpack, and so I really encourage you to do that and to share this podcast with, with other people as well. There's so much to be found in it, but I am excited for this conversation And in fact, we have broken this conversation up into two parts. So today is part one, and then we will release part two next week. But we're going to go ahead and jump into today's episode. All right. Well, today we have Paul and Tyann McClendon in the house. Paul, Tyann, hello. Hello, hello. Who are you? What do you do? What do you want to share with people about your life and what God has called you to? Well, I'm Paul McClendon. I was a pastor for about 10 years, and then the Lord called me out of that and threw me into business. And so I've been doing that in sales for the last 12 years for an oil field company, mm-hmm. and it's literally changed my life. This That's is my awesome. wife, Ty. Yeah, I'm Tyann, and I am a business coach and um, consultant, and I work primarily with um, anybody from... Oh, I would say, you know, just solopreneurs all the way up to those who have like 50 employees consistently. Um, I do a lot of speaking and teaching um, all over the place, but then I'm also in real estate and real estate investing. That's awesome. Man, y'all are both just invested into so much because Ty has written a book. Paul said you're writing. Writing. Writing stuff. I'm sure Ty is always writing. No, it no, takes too much just, discipline. <laughs> too much stuff. Uh, <laughs> Paul is also a worship leader, um, really in just multiple facets and mm-hmm. areas and groups within Abilene, but also other places. And that's yeah. been a, a big piece of who you are, too. Yes, it has been. And and Jeremy keeps inviting me to do it on Sundays, but I mean... <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Paul's really awesome about... I mean, I can go to almost any worship event in the city and probably nine out of 10 times I can expect to see Paul there, like pouring out his heart and helping lead Mm -hmm. others and bring unity. So I love it. Well, the reason I have y'all today, Mm -hmm. we are jumping into a new series at the church um, called The Absurdity of Generosity, but we're talking about the joy of generosity, living open-handed and... um, Walking in obedience in that. And so we all know, and we've talked about this before we even started recording, that that generosity doesn't just include finances. It does. Sometimes we limit it to just that. But it's things such as, you know, yes, your finances, but your time, your resources, your relationships, your prayers. And so uh, I kind of just want to, I'll kick it over to y'all, really just leave it open-ended for y'all to start it however you want, and then we can just ask questions based off of that. But how have you developed and grown generosity in your life over the years and as you've been following the Lord? What does that journey look like? What have you learned? Where did it start? I grew up a preacher's son, and so I understood 
part of that was I lived, we ate off of other people's generosity mm-hmm. and, and to an extent. I mean, um, and so there was always that in the back of my head, you know, always giving. Uh, and it was the challenge. My father would be like, hey, you can challenge the Lord in this. This is that tithing principle about giving and this is have permission here to challenge the Lord in that. And, and so we kind of came into marriage that way a little bit. I was leaning always on the give, give, you know, give, give, give. And Tyne's like, whoa, uh, let's not give away everything that we have, but, but uh, not in a bad way. But go, go ahead and speak into that, babe, because I think we balanced, she balanced me in a way to where I, mm. I was my... Uh, Sometimes I would just give our last dollar, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, kind of stuff like that, and and um, and that was that was early in our marriage. So, well, I think yeah, Paul was raised that way, but he also has like a natural tendency, just personally, just to be very over the top generous, and yeah. I love that. But I also came from be generous, but also be a good steward. Yeah, and I was raised like by the time I was thirteen, like my mom had me having a checking account, and I would hand, you know, hand do the register to make sure it wasn't off by a cent. Yeah, I had to balance my checkbook. Exactly, I was was not that kid. (laughs) And so there was always an account that had to be balanced. And for me, my place in like learning to be generous was having to let go of the structure that I had learned. And to have to give beyond the structure. And so Paul really challenged me in that at the beginning of marriage. And he mentioned tithing. That was always something. I just want to say this out here because I don't believe generosity is just That's tithing. Right. But like right it on. was something that we decided um, at the before we were even married that we were going to tithe. And that was not an exception for us, like regardless of that. And the Lord's protected our finances be- yeah. because of that. Absolutely. Um, but I feel like what he was saying is that we balanced each other out. Like we learned how to um, balance the generosity and the stewardship. And I feel like we found a really good balance of how we like Mm -hmm. to be generous in marriage. Yeah, she taught me a lot how to steward. Um, Because, I mean, not that my parents didn't, but I just, I did not ever know how to do that very well. Yeah. And, And so... She is very, very good with financing. Yeah. Uh, so y'all have thrown out the word steward, stewardship, uh, and I know it's a, a word that we talk about probably a lot in the church world, um, but I'm just kind of curious, what is your definition of stewardship? How would we explain the word or the concept to, to someone who maybe hasn't been in church that long? Because I know stewardship tends to be more of a churchy word, um, it's a truth and it's a principle, but we, we use it a lot, yeah. I think more so than the majority of the world. But what, what would you define stewardship as? Well, I want to be able to give an account for the resources God's given to me, whether it be um, the revelation He's poured into me, whether it be the finances He's given our family. I know that I want to be a good steward. I want to use those resources well, and that I give a good account for how I handled them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I'm reminded of when I think of the word steward is like that old English definition of it. It's like there was a king and then there was a steward of a province (laughs) and that steward would actually be liable to the king for what was beneath him. And I just, 
I look at that, and if you treat people, and this is kind of my definition of stewardship, is that you treat, if you see people how Jesus sees people, then you would give accordingly to those principles, whether it be a prophetic word or financing, or it just really comes to the way that you see people. Um, And so to really steward the gifts and the overflow and the abundance that you carry and that you have, you have to see people the way Jesus sees people. Yeah, that's huge. Absolutely. Um, so I I want to speak to the... I, I know a lot of people probably have the desire to be generous, whether that's with their finances or their time. But I think a, a concept that we have to fight with and that we, we deal with a lot is this idea of, I'll be more generous when I have more because I'll have extra and, and be able to give that. And and I know that's held me back in my generosity before. And a lot of people I talk to, it's, it's one of those, man, we're really tight right now, but we're praying for this so that extra comes in because then, oh, that would be so joyful to give more. But then most of the time we probably bump our lifestyle up to match what we get. Because you talk to, to millionaires and, and a lot of them are like, man, if I just had 20% more, I would feel secure. I would feel good. My family is taken care of. So, um, Tyann, you, you shared with me a little bit about giving and even just obedience, whether you have a lot or a little, but how has that looked in y'all's lives through the journey of, of where you've been, where you started, the, the bumps, the turns, the changes of direction yeah. a long way? How have y'all grown generosity no matter the amount of finances, resources, or time that you had? Well, let me just say one thing. For me, generosity wasn't always joyful. It was Mm. more than that. It came out of conviction, Mm. and it came out of discipline. And Mm. so when I would hear the Lord say to give, and then I would do that, and He would, in in my obedience, He would honor that, there became a joy in recognizing that I heard His voice. Yes, that I blessed mm. somebody, but also just that I heard correctly and that he covered me on the back end. That's good. And that good. produced as much joy in me as what, like, maybe seeing the person that I helped. Sure. Like, it was nice that it helped them. But what it produced in me was more of an eternal thing of, yeah. like, man, I heard the Father and he covered me. And those things really did produce joy in my life. And... um there's one situation that I'm kind of thinking of, like Paul and I um, have been blessed that and we're living in a season of abundance financially right now, but it hasn't always been that way. Yeah. There was a season where um, we had had two jobs and then we felt called out of one. And then um, Paul's company laid off 750 people nationally on one phone call. So we went wow. in a period of three Which months. Which I was a part of. That. Oh, <laughs> Weeping and gnashing of teeth, literally, on the phone call. Yeah, <laughs> people who had no hope were just, you could hear them. And so we went from having two uh, jobs and probably making more than we ever had to being on unemployment in less than three months. Hmm. And um, in that season, there was one thing I kept hearing over and over. I heard the Lord say, I won't drop you. And it was a real simple phrase, but I would hear it anytime I would have to go to the grocery store and come up with, like, I'm not going to let you drop. I'm not going to let you fall. I won't drop you. And um, that year, the year that we we went on unemployment, at the very beginning of the year, Paul and I had set down goals for our family. And one of the things that we had set down was 
that we wanted to be debt-free by the end of that year. Mm-hmm. So here we are. We lost the job at the beginning of June, didn't know when we were going to have another job again. And literally, the Lord handpicked Paul's job for him, and I really appreciate that the Lord had us be patient because the place he landed has produced so much fruit in our life. But literally, he tried, like, he went for maybe 40 different interviews, and he would be the last person, and then they would go on a hiring hold. He would be the last wow. person, and then they would say, oh, we need to hire internally. It's I ridiculous. mean, I don't know how many times <laughs> it happened. It was like the Lord was just shutting door after door. Yeah. But in the middle of that season, we had this really interesting moment, and it, I, it was a defining moment for me personally. Um, we got a bill from the IRS. The IRS said, hey, you misfiled your taxes, and you counted something wrong, and actually what you owe us is another 2000 and. I think it was like $2,063. Well, when Paul and I lost our job, we were about to remodel our house. We had been in ministry. We were just getting started. So we didn't have a ton of extra savings. Mm -hmm. So we had had something like $3,800 set aside to redo this bathroom. And then we were on unemployment. And that was it. That That was all the money we had to draw from. And I remember... When we got that check or that that um, notice from the IRS, I remember the Lord saying, "Are you going to rejoice that I have shown you a debt you didn't even know you had? You asked that this year would be the year you pay off all your debts." Wow. Yeah. And it was like that gut wrenching, like mic drop moment, you know, where you're like, it hit you in your gut, and I was like, "Yes, Lord, I am." Like I rejoice that even the debts I didn't know I had. You have given me the resource to pay off. So even though we only had like $3,800, and here we have this 2,000-plus bill for the IRS, and we're on unemployment, and we haven't been able to have breakthrough in finding a new job, we chose as a family to write that check and so into the vision that we had had that year to be debt-free. Yeah. yeah. And I'll tell you, like, it was another four months before we got a job, but it was something that we never went without. Every bill was paid. We had groceries paid. And I, I don't know how we did it. Um, yeah. The generosity of others was important, but really he just kept showing up over and over and over. But it was that, super humbling though. <laughs> it was humbling. But that was something that for me was a defining moment of I'm going to choose to rejoice and to sow into the things God tells me to sow into, whether mm-hmm. it be debt, whether it be other people, whether it be my time, my resources, my um, my revelation he's given me, I'm going to be open-handed with it even when it doesn't feel like I should. Like yeah. wisdom might have said, hey, you, you can maybe set up a payment plan. Yeah. But the Lord actually said, pay it off and rejoice in it. Yeah. Rejoice that you had it to pay. Yeah. yeah. And even just what you, you mentioned and what you were describing, like finding joy in the obedience and the partnering with the Lord, even if, I mean, very few times have I ever had to write or pay something that was a couple thousand dollars and I was excited about it. (laughs) Um, But what I hear you saying is like hearing the Lord, having vision, having um, just perspective and clarity, but also just the joy of walking in obedience. You, You said before we started recording of... And you mentioned it a little bit, like sometimes the joy isn't just sowing into a person or sowing the seeds into a person, but knowing that like as you give or as you walk in faithfulness and obedience, you're sowing seeds into your own life. And 
in this case, yeah. you're sowing seeds into your family. Like what, I, I'm curious from either of y'all, mm. what do you think produced or came from that moment of when y'all decided as a family, we're writing this check, we're living debt-free, we're walking in this obedience? Well, I know immediately what it did because it was that moment. And then there was one other moment in that season where my best friend from college, her husband got a promotion and was going to be making vucus of money. And I remember the it's choice. Like 300,000. We'll just be honest. Yeah. Oh, I don't remember exactly. It was. That, yeah. I mean, it was I mean, a lot of money. money. That's a lot of money. And it was, it was this moment where the Lord was like, you can celebrate with those who are mm. celebrating or you can be bitter about your position. And it was a point where I remember very clearly choosing to celebrate with her because right. I knew where we were standing was just a moment, and I didn't want to compromise that hmm. by my lack of joy for her celebration. Wow. You know, like you can weep with those who weep and you can rejoice with those who rejoice. And those seeds, like they produce fruit. And I felt hmm. that moment and I knew it hinged and it depended on something for like how we responded was going to determine something specifically in me, like, yeah. was I going to put down lack? And that's, those two moments really in my heart in that season where we didn't have very much finances really put a death to lack in my heart. Like it put down any thoughts that the father wasn't going to cover us, that we were going to go without, that we were going to act as orphans or slaves. It really taught in, taught me that I am a son and a daughter, right? Like, we're all sons and y'all are all brides. So, it's you true. know, it's true. It's weird, true. but it's there's true. a scripture in Isaiah 58 that it says, And you will rise on the heights of the land and feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. And the Lord put me in that place. And one of the inheritance of Jacob is the words, I will never leave you or forsake you. Hmm. And when Tyne says, I won't let you fall, to me, that's the same yeah. thing, right? That That's the same idea. And you look at it, and it's the promise of Abraham, it's the promise of Jacob, Isaac, you know, all of those. Mm -hmm. And then it goes all the way through Scripture. I mean, it just, it, it keeps, you keep hearing it all the way through Scripture. Mm -hmm. And in Hebrews 13, 5, it says, keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. The Lord ties our money, our satisfaction even, and our contentment to the statement that he is not going to leave us. He's not going to let us fall. And I think that is just beautiful. Yeah. I When I started to believe that statement in my life, that I don't have to worry about any of the financial things because I know I am wholeheartedly chasing after him and his goodness and the things that he's promised. This is something I can I can stamp on my life, on yeah. my life, on the things that he's called me to do. And there's a couple other things um, for me in that season. Um, the Lord really started to reveal to me um, – this, I, I don't have another word for it, but like the smell of lack. <laughs> mm. I realized I was in, uh, I was talking to a billionaire <laughs> in the oil field and I was trying to sell him a product. And he told me this, and this is when I realized that I, I had nothing that this man wanted. <laughs> yeah. Because the way I came to him, I was full of lack. I was full of need. I was full of this, and I smelled of it. <laughs> and even though my product was great and the things that I was bringing to the table, the way that 
I smelled. And the Lord told me, he, he got in me because he said this, he goes, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And if you really break that down, it's like me and my, my computer uh, degree from Texas Tech. <laughs> if the Lord is my shepherd, then I shall not want. That if-then statement, right? And first, is the Lord my shepherd? Then, if he is, he said it to me, this, you do not get the luxury of lacking. Hmm. <laughs> and then I started looking at that, and I realized when I... I started asking the Lord to help me get out of lack. And this is what he said to me. He goes, he said, Paul, how does the son of the richest rancher in Texas walk into the room? What is, what kind of swagger does he have? What is he talking about? What are the things that uh, he wears even, you know? And he goes, I have a cattle on a thousand hills. Mm -hmm. And he goes, I need you to operate and walk like I am your dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it literally shifted my mindset out of a place of lack and out of a place because, and I'm not just talking about financial wealth, but I'm talking about the abundance of the kingdom. There's 12 yeah. different or more wealth points of the kingdom, whether it be friendship, time, um, finances, health. Uh, I mean, you can go through the whole thing. Uh, revelation, uh, you know, the word, um, prophetic, there's a lot. But uh, some of the things that the Lord, he really just began to remove the lack off me. And it it literally, in some ways, was a deliverance, you know, because it was, um, but as that bits of those things, lack and the fear, you know, of of him not being there for me, right? As those things started falling off, it was tangible. My business was growing, like mm. by double and triple wow. and things like that. And it was just very, it was a very cool experiment with me and the Lord going, hey, do you trust me? Yeah. Look at this. Watch watch what I do here. Watch what I do next. Yeah, man. I'm just sitting in that right now. I'm trying to process all of that. Well, I know like we're talking about generosity, but lack for us was such a big deal. When God began to set us free from mindsets of lack, man, that actually creates a platform for you to be generous yeah. and it to be something that is joyful. It's out of obedience. It's out of revelation. It's out of conviction. It's what you see prophetically over somebody that you're sowing into. And when you have lack mentality and you don't feel like you're going to have enough or you feel like you need to like hoard even like the things that God has given you from a revelation standpoint or a financial standpoint or even just a um, timing standpoint, whenever you, when you close it in, you know, it slips through your fingers. You know, it's yeah. like you can't hold those things. But the more that you hold it open, the more the Lord can bless it. Yeah. And it's um, one of my favorite scriptures is actually Proverbs 11. And it says, whoever brings blessing will be enriched and one who waters will himself be watered. And mm-hmm. there's something about that, that when you bring blessing, it actually blesses you. But the more that you withhold, you actually... You, you begin yeah. to lose. You begin to go without. Yeah. What would you say to the person listening that, like, there's a piece of them that that believes that and believes that God is that good, but is just really wrestling with that that fear of it makes no sense to give right now because it seems like I'm giving away my last, my last thing. Um, mm. What if I – what if I give and – 
and I'm in a, a dry place? Like, what if it puts me in a bind? Because again, I, I think more people have the desire to be generous and to bless. I mean, we're created in the likeness of God. We have Absolutely. an abundant God who loves to give generously. Therefore, there's a, there's a piece of us that's created to align with that and to desire it. But how would you talk someone through or what would you encourage them to do to, to step out and just do it? Um, I'd say take the, take the risk. Yeah. I mean, it sounds scary, but like, I mean, there's like, risk. why not? There's risk. And, you know, let it be fun. I mean, sometimes we make everything so serious and it's supposed to be this playful banter between you and God, you mm-hmm. know? And I find that in finances, sometimes it's the easiest and most tangible place to actually see something change. One of the things Tyne would do early, um, because we when we didn't have a lot, um, she would put these little baskets together um, and keep them in the back of the car of just like food and little... Just like little cashews and like little juice boxes. And chips and stuff like yeah. that. And every time we would see somebody on the side of the road asking for... She would get the kids and we would she'd get, get, in the, get the, the packet out of the back and we'd hand that to, to someone. It was just the thought of her coming beforehand. It didn't cost a whole lot, but what it did is, hey, that, that person had something to drink and a snack. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we couldn't give them money, but we could give them that. Yeah. And so. Well, and I was convicted because yeah. Matthew 25 says, I was hungry and you didn't give me drink. I yeah. was thirsty. I was hungry and you didn't give me food. I was thirsty and you didn't give me drink. Yeah. And I was so convicted by that. And, and I personally have found that so much of my giving has come from conviction. Um, more than any other place. Like I'll get mm-hmm. convicted about what the scripture says, and then I want and I have to be obedient. You yeah. know, when when you let the word penetrate into you deep into your soul, that conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so that place in Matthew 25 that Paul's referring to, that was something we did. We'd have those packets and we'd stop. And if we see somebody who had a sign that says, hungry, anything helps, like we'd have some way. I don't know how many times I'd go through a drive through and then you see somebody and the Lord's like, you have the time, give them your food, like yeah. just hand it. And so I always keep little packets of things in the car. Even the yeah. other day, like they have these, I don't know if y'all have tried these yet, but sete, they're like a grain free <laughs> thing, but they have these, they I have don't even them. know how to spell it. Right. I don't know how yeah. I'd search for it. But <laughs> well, they have these Mexican wedding cookies and those are some of my favorite, but mm. since I'm trying to eat gluten free, I don't normally get them. And so they have them now. And I was like, oh my gosh, these are amazing. But they're like the smallest package of cookies that cost like $10, you know? (laughs) And so you're like, and that was all I had in my car. Simple pleasure. And the Lord said though, will you give it? Mm. Give it to him. And so that was a sacrifice. But you know, you don't give anything to the Lord. It doesn't cost you something. Yeah. But but the point is, is there's small ways, right? You know, and I think a lot of people try to just like think – I have to write a thousand dollar check to this missionary or whatever. Right. And I just like, what if it was just a word that you could give to the person that's sitting next to you? You know, can you do that? Can you start there? You know, because wealth, if you define wealth as just finances, you for you, you're missing a large portion of what the Lord has done for us as a, as a Western culture, you know, yeah. I mean, uh, well, you even look at like business leaders and, and business moguls who defined their entire life and defined wealth by finances and they're miserable, still miserable. Yeah. And so I look at, 
the thing that God has given us is, you know, maybe it's an abundance of words. I don't know. But uh, we... I mean, I definitely feel like I have an abundance of words. I don't know if they're prophetic yeah, words I don't all know the either. time, but it's just a lot of hot air that comes out. Of my no, mouth. no, I know. I know your heart. Um, but there is something about that, just being the one who's willing to go and maybe be an idiot and say something that you saw, you know, uh, on behalf of the Lord. And that's just a place to start sowing the seeds of your generosity. You know, um, I think there's a scripture in Romans 12, and it's one of my favorites. Um, it, at the beginning, it says, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. And then it goes on and it goes through a bunch of whole, a whole bunch of good things. But one of the things that I love about this scripture, and I'm going to have to get it in the NIV because that's how I memorized it, right? It says this, it says, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. Mm-hmm. Like, practice it, Yeah. right? You know, like, it's something that you, it's not, it's not even the game. It's something that you practice beforehand. It's like, yeah. what would it look like if you were just going to just pretend like you're being hospitable, Yeah. <laughs> right? Or pretend that you're going to be generous. Practice it. Just just practice. And I just think those little small things that you can do, it starts to develop a culture inside of your heart. Yeah. And you start to it, it starts to manifest in larger things. And then before long, you are given a thousand dollars to a missionary. Yeah. And and it doesn't hurt. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Or maybe it does, but I mean, you know, in obedience, I'm gonna do this because the Lord has called us to do something and called us to bless. Yeah. Like, because those people are important because they're kings and they're in, in positions of influence. But, you know, that's that's another thing when you think about the joy of it. Like, whether you're giving $25 into somebody's mission fund or whether you're dropping the $1,000 check, like, regardless, the place of joy for me comes from asking the Lord, what am I sowing into in that person? Not So maybe I'm sowing into the person and their identity and their call but maybe I'm sewing into what they're doing. Maybe, you know, they're a missionary in Israel. And what I'm doing is I'm sewing into the fruit in Israel. And there is something that you get. You know, I, I don't ever lose sight of that in giving. And, you know, some people may not think like this, but there is a seed that you're sowing and it will produce fruit. Yeah. And, and I appreciate that. Thanks for listening to the Beyond Sundays podcast today and this part one conversation with the McClendons. Um, Again, go back and listen to this episode. Sit on it, meditate on it, unpack it. There's so much in here. And I encourage everyone to write down the verses in the scripture that that Paul and Tyann shared and just allow yourself to know the word of God more, specifically in this area of his provision, of generosity, and of obedience. So thank you so much for listening to today and be looking forward part two that's coming out next week. Be sure to hit that like, follow, or subscribe button, depending on the platform that you're listening to this podcast so that you can stay up to date with the episodes that we release every Tuesday. Go ahead and follow us on social media, Beltway Park Church. Uh, That handle is at Beltway Park, and that's across all platforms. And hit that subscribe button on YouTube, Beltway Park Church, so that you can stay up to date with the sermons, the teachings, and the testimonies that we release all the time. And again, you can follow along with us in this new series, The Absurdity of Generosity. We hope you have a great week. Be blessed, and remember, God is moving in your life beyond Sundays.